Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. And this is The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. We are breakup coaches here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup doula and coach and co-host of this podcast, as you know, X-Files. I'm brand new to podcasting and just, I am so overcome with gratitude for each and every person who, who listens. We've been getting great feedback so far and it's, it's amazing to me. Thank you. This is just exactly what I pictured when I decided that I wanted to do this. So thank you. And as you know, we're going to be doing some solo episodes along the way. And here's mine. Here's my second one. Today's topic is my journey with codependence. I want to start with a disclaimer that I'm not a therapist. I am a qualified life coach and a former slash recovering codependent. (laughs) I know a lot about this particular topic because of years of study and because of experiencing it myself. So I do, do feel definitely qualified to talk about it. And I am, you know, I've really had an interesting life and an interesting journey with romance and relationships. And I'm still figuring out how it is that I want to talk about the things from my past. And, you know, I really want to do it in a way that's inspiring and helpful and also honest and authentic and true. Um, So, you know, I'm learning as we go or as I go. And um, so thank you. And I'd love to hear feedback about what I'm about to share. I think that codependence is a term that is being thrown around a lot lately, the past couple of years. Um, I think that it's kind of become misunderstood. I hear the term being used to describe relationships that are obsessive or relationships between two people who just want to be together all the time. Oh, look at these, you know, codependent people. They're, they're always together. Um, and that's actually enmeshment. <laughs> it's not necessarily codependence. Um, or I hear it being tossed around, uh, you know, to describe someone who always wants to be in a relationship. It might not actually be the case that they are codependent or have codependent tendencies. And I also think that a lot of people don't really know what it is and don't ask. That's fine. (laughs) And I thought that the best way for me to talk about it and what it really looks like or what it looked like for me would be to talk about my journey with it. So here we go. As some of you already know, I am divorced from a man I was married to quite young. <laughs> like looking back, um, we were, uh, I was 23 and he was 21. And looking back again, I know that there were some really unhealthy patterns in our relationship that later when it ended, it made it easier for me to enter another relationship with a non-functional alcoholic who physically and mentally abused the shit out of me. (laughs) I'm giggling. It's probably a bit of a defense or response um, mechanism, but I mean, it's, it's true. 
Um, for instance, going back to my marriage, um, I was desperate to stay in the relationship with my husband and um, to stay just married in general for multiple reasons. One was just not, not being able to even imagine my life without him. You know, I always thought that marriage was the end goal. And so when we had problems, I, I just couldn't imagine doing anything but working it out and appeasing him and doing whatever I could to get back to some sort of normal normality so that we wouldn't, you know, get to the point where we were talking about breaking up. Um, and then another reason was just this desire to prove to myself and to my former religious community that I could have a good life and a good marriage despite leaving uh, the faith. I struggled with feelings of bitterness about my experience with Mormonism and saw my marriage as a way out of it and as a bit of a fuck you to it as well, to be honest. Um, I was new into my journey, um, leaving a high demand religion, and I was motivated by that for sure. This is something I've put behind me and continue to work to keep behind me. Anyhow, I was just so desperate to hold on to the marriage that I allowed very unhealthy patterns to form. From the early stages of the relationship, I would do anything for my partner. I would beg for forgiveness when I was the one who had been mistreated. When he got angry over very small things, I would be the one to take responsibility, even when I was completely blindsided by him getting mad. And even when the arguments were very two-sided, which many, many arguments in relationships are, I would take responsibility. I wanted to make him happy at all costs. I acted in ways that may have ultimately conditioned him. He was so young. It may have conditioned him to become very domineering over me. And this dynamic could have been something that maybe even I needed as also a young adult uh, because of being coming from a community where the adults were very domineering over their children. So I may have had a need for this in my adult relationships. Regardless... <laughs> And I, I continue to analyze it almost daily to death, but uh, regardless, there were very toxic, toxic patterns in my marriage. A lot of happy times as well, but really destructive patterns. As I approached 30, um, I had a bit of a spiritual awakening. I've had a couple in my life and I definitely had one then. I was surrounded by a lot of very positive and very turned on women. I somehow started to develop more self-respect than I had had in the past, which I hadn't realized I didn't have. But yeah, I really, really started to come into my own, as they say. And I started to push back on these patterns. I could just see more clearly what was happening. And my partner did not like that and really amped up the gaslighting me or amped up gaslighting me. Um, he would tell me that he was unable to get through to me. Um, he would tell me I was wrong and that I needed help. He would tell me he was worried about me. You know, when he would have a temper tantrum or lose his cool, that 
it was because of my behavior. And when I would be shocked at his reactions, um, he would tell me, yeah, that he was worried about me because I couldn't see what I was doing that caused him to explode. He would tell others that he was worried about me. He refused to come with me to therapy because he said I was the problem, not our relationship. I know that gaslighting is of particular interest right now, and uh, Claire and I will be doing a series on this in, in the future. And the marriage fell apart. It really did. I, I created boundaries that I hadn't had in the past. And it's, it's really hard to put these things into place when you're, you know, seven years into a relationship. A couple of years later, I met a gorgeous, intelligent, worldly, generous man and fell into a passionate relationship with him. And although he showed all of the signs of an abuser, I didn't, I didn't see it. And I allowed him to isolate me from friends and family by moving to a foreign country. And I stayed with him despite him becoming physically abusive somewhat early on. And this is one reason that I'm a coach today is because the period after a divorce is such an important time to learn about your patterns, to learn about what you want in the future, and to prevent something like this from happening. I discovered within the first week of living overseas that he was an alcoholic. His family went so far as to have me over for dinner one night without him because he was recovering from a bender that I had not participated in. And they approached me and they asked for my help to get him to stop. Uh, within days of me knowing them, I was way in over my head. It got worse and worse and I found myself living in an absolute nightmare. It was horrific. Um, I'm still having a hard time voicing some of what went on and, and figuring out if it's helpful for me to do so. I, so I won't go into it here, but it was a very bad situation. I supported him getting through rehab after he came after me with a knife one night. And while he seemed really committed to his recovery and um, the initial months after he came home were absolutely beautiful. I've got some lovely memories from that time he relapsed and became even more abusive and I still stayed. Like I said earlier, codependence is not about people who want to be together all the time. Codependence often, but not always, takes place when one person has a substance abuse, abuse issue because they depend on a partner to facilitate their addiction. That's where the dependence part comes in. They need someone to cover for them, to meet their basic needs, to clean up after them, to condone their bad behavior so they can keep doing it. And I did all of those things for this man. In return, what I wanted was to be overly forgiving so that I could win his love. And you know what? Even sometimes just so that the abuse would end. So... There were similarities between this relationship and the ways that I had tried to win my husband's love and friendliness, to be, to be quite frank, and took responsibility for his bad behavior as well. I 
I got so tied up in pleasing my partners and in my partner's problems that I lost myself. I left other times after extreme abuse and was bombarded by messages from him, even messages from his parents about how, how I had abandoned him and even how I had caused him to be abusive. So I needed to take responsibility and come back. Mm, I've got lots more to say on that topic. And unfortunately, at that time, my self-worth was tied up in one person and yeah, I stayed in it. And I left for the final time after reporting him to the police following assault. At that point, I started to read about how a woman finds herself in an abusive relationship. And I kept hearing the word codependence. I started going to Codependence Anonymous, which I do, I do recommend. It was a positive experience for me. I started doing a lot of reading, as I do. <laughs> And I definitely, what I thought, you know, one of the good things that came out of it for me is that I, I worked out of my system, a need to be in relationships, you know, growing up, I always thought, like I said earlier, that marriage was the end goal. And so I just had this desire to be with someone. And I, I definitely worked that out of my system. I've had one or two semi-serious relationships since then. But I've kind of discovered that overall, for now, I prefer being on, on my own. But my journey with codependence continues. And this is one thing I really want to highlight in this episode. The way you show up in your romantic relationships is similar to the way that you show up in other intimate relationships, such as with family members. This after all, is where these types of patterns typically begin is childhood and teenage years and just patterns and habits that you build with family. So what has been really interesting to me is that even though I've been out of the abuse for several years now, I've caught myself in the exact same actions as I interact with family and because I'm so aware of these, th these things, I've been able to, uh, to recognize them. For instance, going above and beyond for people without reciprocation, doing huge favors without, you know, being thanked, reaching out when it's not necessarily wanted or reciprocated, spending more time, money, and energy than the other person or than anyone else in order to facilitate the relationship, participate in events, whatnot. And all for the end goal of trying to force love and acceptance. Does that make sense? A person with codependent tendencies acts in ways that they think will produce a desired response from the other person. So even though the need is love, it's manipulation in a way. And it's a lesson to me that I will always need to watch this, which is perfectly fine. We all have patterns in the way that we show up in all of our relationships. And the power comes when we can see them and change them. I am happily single, for instance, but if I were ever to start dating again, 
I would really have an eye on these things. I'd probably get support in some way. I'd be very conscious of my decisions and my choices as I entered into a relationship. I would take things slow. To tie things up, I thought it may be helpful for uh, listeners for me to read a list of codependent signs. So I know I've told you how it shows up for me, but um, I, I thought it would be great if I would um, just break it down <laughs> to a very simple level. So some of you may know that Melody Beattie is considered an expert in this area. She has written the very wonderful book, Codependent No More. And these are just some of the signs that she says um, may appear for someone who has these tendencies. One, constantly assuming responsibility for the feelings, thoughts, behaviors, future choices of others. Two, deriving a sense of worth in rescuing others from the consequences of their own choices. Oh, I relate to that. Three, saying yes when they mean no or doing things from a place of expectation versus wanting to do them. Living to please others, meet the needs of others without first meeting the needs of oneself. Five, feeling insecure and guilty when someone else gives to them. That's an interesting one. Six, feel sad when they spend their whole lives giving to others and no one gives to them. It's a victim mentality. Seven, finding themselves attracted to needy people. Eight, finding needy people attracted to them. Nine, feels bored or unsatisfied when they don't have a crisis in their life, a problem to solve, etc. I really recommend that book as a resource. It's called Codependent No More. And also her book of daily meditations, The Language of Letting Go. It's a great book of devotionals on thinking about the way that we interact with others. I read from it all the time. Let me read today's devotional. It's called Owning Our Power. We need to make a distinction between powerlessness and owning our power. The first step in recovery is accepting powerlessness. There are some things we can't do, no matter how long or how hard we try. These things include changing other people, solving their problems, and controlling their behavior. Sometimes we feel powerless over ourselves, what we feel or believe, or the effects of a particular situation or person on us. It's important to surrender to powerlessness, but it's equally, but it's equally important to own our power. We aren't trapped. We aren't helpless. Sometimes it may feel like we are, but we aren't. We each have the God-given power and the right to take care of ourselves in any circumstance and with any person. The middle ground of self-care lies between the two extremes of controlling others and allowing them to control us. We can walk that ground gently or assertively, but in confidence that it is our right and responsibility. Let the power come to walk that path. 
and each day there's an affirmation. And this one is, today I will remember that I can take care of myself. I have choices and I can exercise the options I choose without guilt. So what should you do if you think you have an issue with codependence? Well, I think for my advice would be that be single for a while and learn about your patterns. Learning can go a long way here. If you are in a relationship um, right now, you need to get support. You need to have open communication with your partner about this. I would highly suggest therapy or a group and being very proactive about turning things around. One thing I learned through attending groups uh, is that our future actions, happiness, behaviors, it's a choice. It really is. We do not have to be controlled by the things we've done in the past. This is true empowerment. And it was for me. And I know that it can be for you as well. And it's also a journey. (laughs) You know, it, it takes time and effort to get there. Mm. Thank you so much for listening to my journey with codependence. If you would like support with your breakup and with reclaiming your life after the end of a relationship, please be in touch. That's what I'm here for. You can DM me on Instagram at Janice Formicella. Spelling is in the show notes. And find out more about working with me. And most of all, I want to wish you the best of luck on your healing journey. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you like this episode, tag us on your Instagram story so we can connect with you. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at Claire Lottas. And me, Janice, on Instagram at Janice Formicella. If you'd like to join our online community, find us on Facebook at Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On. Talk soon. Bye. And here's a preview of our next episode. The intensity of negative autobiographical memories fades faster than those associated positively. So you forget negative things faster than you forget positive things. So your negative memories um, in your situation of the abuse faded a lot quicker than the positive memories. It kind of backfires a little bit in breakups. I guess it's evolutionary in a way if we dwelled on the on the very dark memories in a way it could you know kind of eat us alive 